y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. We are part of the Across the Board podcast family. And guys, as always, uh, to our new listeners, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. Now, guys, some of you may know, some of you may not. This is not a one-man show. With me, as always, is my co-host, the brains of the operation, is who is patiently waiting to be introduced, is my guy, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good, man. A little down about last week, but, but you know, the episode, uh, it's sad, but that's all right. We pick it up. We move on. Oh, Mike, don't remind me. I know, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking, uh, having our little uh, pre-recording conversation. That was the first thing I said to you. It's like, I'm still, I'm still salty about it, man. I, I, uh, I wish there was a way we could work some sort of magic, you know, reach out to Anchor and maybe they could dig deep into the archives and somehow uh, magically uh, um, stumble upon that. You know, we're able to share that with the world, but you, you and me both brother, that, that episode, man, I, I, I just wish that if anything, maybe our listeners could listen to our uh, playoff predictions, man. I know that segment was probably my favorite segment of the pod so far, as much as I love going back and forth with fantasy's finest. And I love that every week, but Man, that segment was so good for for people that don't know. We posted our our playoff uh, rankings online, but we didn't go all the way through our Super Bowl picks. But I had Ravens as a number one seed and Cowboys as a one seed. Ended up having them in the Super Bowl, and Paul had Ravens as a seven seed, barely making it in, and Cowboys as the second seed, and. Also, without us knowing, we had no idea. He also picked the same two teams in the Super Bowl, so it was it was real fun because we like we say a million times we don't talk about it before. So I had no idea, and it was a blast to see how he went through and got them there, and then me doing the same thing afterwards is just a trip. Yeah, no, you know, I know we. Uh, I guess it's good that we're talking about it, Mike, because I know we talked about um, you know posting our teams and where we had um, had them seated and everything, and kind of our our road to the, uh, to the Super Bowl there. So we should get on that this week, you know? So uh, again, guys, we do apologize for that. My, Mike and I are still uh, trying to get over the, the, the fact that you guys can't um, share that experience with us, man. Cause again, like, you know, Mike and I have been talking about it for about a week now and you're here, we are talking about it again. That, that episode was really, it was a, a thing of beauty and, it's just, man, it's so disappointing. We can't stress it enough that, that that's one thing I wish we could really share with you guys. Yeah, man, I agree. I just, it's, it's really is a bummer. Like losing an episode that, that we know you guys would enjoy so much. Like we, we go back and forth with you guys, a lot of you guys online. And when it, when the recording ended and it was loading up, you know, before it had a, its issues, I text Paul and he texts me back. We were just talking about how you guys are going to love this. And, uh, you know, we'll try to produce that this week too. Absolutely. You know, hopefully that magic from last week can carry over. And Mike, you were talking about the fantasy's finest, and it seems that we've got a uh, a gentleman there. Um, I, you know, I can't think of his handle, so please forgive me. I think his name is is Dre. He was kind of, uh, you know, uh, busting our chops a bit, or at least busting yours, talking, you know, he's anxiously waiting for fantasy's finest to do their their NFC East review. And then we told him what happened with our episode. And, you know, he was just kind of making light of the situation saying that it's a, it's a conspiracy there. Um, I think his name is Dre. So I'm glad that he, you know, he's um, 
tuning in and and wanting to hear our thoughts on it and everything. But you know, we're always happy to have new fans, right? Yeah, man. I'm I'm hoping we're talking, so I don't want to give anything away here. I don't know for sure what's going to happen. You know, they're we're just a little old Cowboys podcast. They're fantasy's finest, so we're we're trying to work it out. But maybe they might uh, throw us a bone and sneak us on for their NFC East. Uh, uh, fantasy projections, which I think uh, is where you're going to shine more than me. You're the fantasy guy uh, of of R2, so I'll take a back seat there, but I'd just love to be on with them. Um, you know, it would be a blast, but uh, that's no guarantee. You know, we're the little nobodies over here. Uh, we don't know uh, if we're big time enough to get on Fantasy's Finest Podcast. They're, 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 they're a lot. And me leaving uh, the K off of uh, – MC Nuck's name might disqualify me. So it might just be Paul. We haven't, dis- we don't know yet. <laughs> I appreciate the tease there, Mike. And of course, you know, I'd love to, uh, to do a collaboration with those guys at fantasy's finest. And I'd love to have, have them come on our pod and we could talk a little Cowboys and, um, you know, I'm not going to give too much away, but you know, maybe the, uh, maybe Ace and, uh, and Nucks can come on and they can talk about the teams that, that they follow, uh, closely, I believe Ace is also a Cowboys fan as well. Uh, I know that Will is too, but you know, uh, I believe it's uh, it's Nux who is the Denver guy. Is that right? That's correct. But my thought is, if if Washington football team turns their name to the Washington Washingtons, yes, Nux is going to be a Washington fan, and then we can have them on for the Washington Washingtons podcast. One of the two. Absolutely. I'd love to, man. I'd love to, uh, to talk with those guys. They seem like a fun group, man. They're always, they're definitely always having fun on their uh, fantasy's finest podcast. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I know. I love that. That's a great podcast as well as yours. You got to listen to them both. I listen to them both. (laughs) I appreciate that, Mike. Well, Mike, uh, just to remind everybody to the, to the people new to the show, where can we find you out on Twitter? At I am Hyperion. No, <laughs> no, that, that, that would be hilarious if I stole his old name. That would be amazing. If my if my uh, at CD Piglet didn't mean so much to me and where the name came from, I would so do that. That would be so funny. Oh man, maybe just for a day, just to bust uh, Will's chops until he notices. Yeah, exactly. That would be amazing. And again, guys, I am a Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Now, Mike, you know that we cannot start our Cowboys discussion without first talking about a very popular and new segment that we have started. And of course, guys, I am referring to Meatless Monday. Mike, what was on the menu today? Oh, we are excited today. We are super excited. This is a brand new recipe um chef demarius phillips i believe is her name uh she was on guys grocery games and did a take on this her husband's vegetarian and she made walnut chorizo tacos oh wow yes it's chorizo flavoring seasonings but it's in a uh, walnut mix my recipe also adds cauliflower uh and it's blended up with the seasonings and some uh chipotle and adobo and then it's served with a pineapple salsa and a red cabbage, uh, uh, a purple cabbage slaw. Mm. I am so that's right after we get off this. I'm, I've got everything prepped. I just have to bake off the walnut chorizo and char the tortillas. And I'm going to 
devour like five of those tacos, I swear. So uh, with the walnuts, do you, you know, you said you're going to roast them off, but uh, will, then they, will they kind of go into the uh, food processor and then you'll kind of fry them up in the, uh, in the skillet there? How does that work? Correct. What, what we do is I take the walnuts, two cups of walnuts, three cups of uh, cauliflower florets, okay. a tablespoon of chili powder, some cumin, salt, pepper, and some adobo. Do you know what chipotle is and adobo is? I know uh, Chipotle, and I've heard of adobo. Yes, I, I, yeah. I, I've heard it's of them. It's a canned item. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've and heard of both of those. It adds like a smoky heat. Mm-hmm. It's like a smoky heat adds to it. That's that's kind of where the chorizo flavor, uh, you know, quote unquote, would come from in the dish. Right. And you blend that all up in the food processor till it becomes like a meat consistency. Mm-hmm. And then you bake it off for about 30 minutes. Uh, and you fill the the charred tortillas with that and the pineapple salsa. And that's some, um, what, pineapples, uh, red onion, jalapenos, lime juice, cilantro, salt, pepper. Oh, wow. And then the cat. Oh, it's so good. I, I make pineapple salsa a lot for other tacos. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have it with this. And then there's like a purple cabbage. And you just put um, uh, purple cabbage with a little bit of vinegar, salt, and olive oil just to kind of uh, so it's not so dry. Right. And there's also an avocado mass, which is avocados mashed up with um, garlic powder. And there's a couple other things. And you and you smear the tortilla with that. I am so Oh, my goodness, man. I'm drooling, Mike. So I've only ever had chorizo with eggs, you know, as served as a breakfast dish. It doesn't sound like you're going to be having it with any eggs. You know, of course, you've got all those other ingredients. This is going to be more of like a a lunch or dinner version of chorizo is that right yeah correct i am i am like i'm uh what am i about 230 pounds and i'd say 30 pounds of it is chorizo regular <laughs> pork chorizo so yeah i am i am uh, uh acquainted with that item and i have made it on a numerous amount of items um but to have it uh you know a a version of it when i seen it on the show Man, I instantly was like, that will be a Meatless Monday dish. Yeah. I've seen him eat it and how it was made and everything. She did make it in a skillet. This one's in a in a pan. But if you when you can when you can cook, I'm no Demarius Phillips. I mean, she's a friggin' like star celebrity chef, but I'm saying you can see it be done and go, okay, here's things I would do with that idea. Right. And that's kind of what I did. And man, I I am I'm excited. Well, man, just hearing you talk about it, it's getting, kind of getting me excited. Mike, I haven't had lunch today, so I'm definitely getting hungry. I will say over the weekend, you posted a couple of food pics, and uh, I believe it was Friday you uh, you had those cauliflower tacos, and on Saturday you had that, uh, I believe it, you uh, said it was a cheat day, you had that big boy burger, the mac and cheese bacon burger, and it looked like that patty might have been uh, cooked a medium, close to a medium rare there. I won't lie to you, Mike. I, I kind of thought that the uh, cauliflower tacos looked a little more appetizing to me. The cauliflower tacos were better, straight up. And I mean, I I love me a mac and cheese bacon burger, and it was with wagyu beef and a brioche bun. And I get thirty five points a day. That burger was forty points. So that tells you what kind of cheat day I was having. Tacos were better. I won't even lie about it. And uh, you know, I meant to ask you, Mike, with the. Uh, with your tacos today, the uh, walnut chorizo tacos, you, you mentioned tortillas. Are you gonna are you gonna have corn or flour? The tacos are always corn for me. Burritos are flour, enchiladas and tacos are always corn. I'm very picky about that. 
Yeah, you know what? I uh, if I'm having to use a store brand tortilla, I definitely I'm always going to want the uh, corn. But you, there's nothing like a homemade flour tortilla, and I've had some good homemade corn tortillas for sure. But I'm right there with you, especially if it's like a, a street taco or something like that. I definitely pr- prefer my barbacoa or anything like that on a uh, corn tortilla. Uh, you know, I, I don't think corn tortillas get enough respect in the taco game. Barbacoa, people, if the place offers barbacoa, you get barbacoa. That's the one you go with. Unless you've tried it and you want to try other stuff. But if you're going to a place and has barbacoa, you get barbacoa. Man, I'll tell you what, I sure do. Uh, uh, I miss um, carnitas the most, though, you know, since I'm not eating pork these days, man. But carnita tacos and barbacoa are probably my favorite. And you can't have those on flour. They have to be on corn for sure. No, wait, no bacon? No pork, no bacon, no ham, brother. Wow, dude, I, can, I couldn't go without bacon, man. I'm, uh, we're going we're gonna to turn serious right now. We're going to turn religious here. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there's religion. There's two ways to that, though. Right. I meant it as like a, a, a bacon is my God type of joke. Yeah. But I should watch that because they're, my best friend is actually uh, religious and can't have pork like that. So I should watch what I'm saying here get us kicked off the podcast the anchor podcast yeah we don't we don't want to get uh that that email saying that we're being we've offended somebody and we're going to be uh i don't know what it's called shadow banned or we're going to be muted or blocked or whatever the term is as far as podcasts getting taken off the uh the airwaves there yeah exactly skip meatless monday is ended for this week we will (laughs) We will rediscuss it next Monday. All right, guys. Well, you know, of course, you know, Mike and I, we can't start off our podcast without talking about food for at least 10 or so minutes. So, guys, you just have to bear with us here. I hope that, um, you know, maybe one day Mike will talk about a recipe that you guys find interesting. I know that happened. It looked like on Friday, I believe, was it our one of our buddies? Uh, was it Nux who said he was going to try to make those cauliflower tacos? Uh, yeah. Yep. I sent him the recipe for that. And, um, uh, oh no, no, no. We were talking about Cobra Kai. See, always on food. He was, yeah. I told him to watch Cobra Kai too. Sorry, not food related. That was something else, but yeah, he said, I sent him the recipe and told him a little changes that I make to it. Um, but yeah, I hope he likes it, man. They're, they're one of my favorites. Um, it really helps that you can convection bake cause it makes your oven like an air fryer kind of crisps up more. Right. But, it doesn't matter. It's good either way. All right, Mike. Well, let's let's give the people what they came for. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, technically this is episode 16. And due to te- technical difficulties, episode 15 didn't upload. But again, uh, technically this is episode 16. And, you know, we can't uh, continue to feel sorry for our, ourselves, Mike. The show must go on. And as we get closer to the season, as exciting as this time may be, one thing we can never look forward to is teams having to make roster cuts. Uh, so, Mike, considering you are the roster expert and your recent article that can be found at atbsports.net, uh, when we're talking about your 53-man roster projection here today, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about who you think is going to make the cut this season. And so, Mike, let's get after it. Uh this position should be pretty easy, I imagine. Here we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, and uh, I think what most people think is Andy Dalton's going to start. Ben DiNucci is going to be the backup, and yeah. Dak Prescott might be uh, might be uh, getting cut soon, right? Yeah, traded. No, no, we'll get a second round pick for him. Oh, okay, a we'll second round him. pick. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what people think. Exactly. God, I hate. There's there is literally a third of like the Cowboys fan base that think Andy Dalton should be starting and will start and take the job this year. And it 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 blows my mind, but anyway, I don't even want to get off on that cuz 53 man's a big project and I don't want to start slamming my head into the desk already. Uh obviously Dak Prescott is a starter. Right. Uh, Andy Dalton is the backup. The question was always Ben DiNucci. That was Mike McCarthy's guy picked for him. And um, I think when the new practice squad uh, rules uh, came out, for people that don't know, you can take four of your practice squad guys and protect them so they don't hit the waiver wire. Um, I think DiNucci will get the first of that. Uh, just because you want to protect the, the, the coach's pet cat at that position, um, he was a draft pick. He wasn't undrafted. So there could be people that liked his tape and would try to go after him and, and stash him on a 53 man. Uh, you know, especially if they're not set at quarterback or if they have an aging uh, a guy, I could see Patriots absolutely trying to uh, stick him on the, uh, the practice squad. So, you know, you, you put the uh, protection on him and you, uh, and you move on and you make sure he's good. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike, it's funny. There is that saying is that if you have two Q, two starting QBs, you actually have none. And you look here, I know that Danucci's a rookie, rookie and everything, and he doesn't have the draft capital, you know, to back it up to make you get too excited about him. Uh, but, you know, while you and I were talking prior to the recording, you know, you and I were saying, hey, this guy looks pretty good in the pocket. He's made some good throws there in the uh in in practice and he he looks comfortable in the pocket you made a really good point you said that he he looks like a guy that knows how to play the qb that might seem like a um a a bit of a vague statement but i I guess what you're saying is that he he knows what everything that it takes to make a qb and he knows that that it's the little things that matter is that that fair to say yeah the the thing i like about him is is when he it's going to take him a few years to learn how to uh, move the ball downfield against NFL speed and and how to read it and everything like that. But there's a mentality that goes into playing the QB position and the leadership you need and the moxie you need. And I feel like he has that. It it reminds me of God. I know this is a thing that people said when he first came out, but I'm not talking about his, the way he escapes the pocket and all that stuff. I know he has that, but, I like his his mindset reminds me of Romo. Romo had that moxie. He 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 came in and was like, I know I can make plays. And it just took him a few years uh, you know, learning how to do it. And I think Ben Danucci could do the same thing. You know, Romo didn't play his first game till year four, I believe, year three or year four. He might have got a, a game or two in, in year three, but it took him a couple of years to build up towards like, okay, now his mind has caught up with his mentality. And I think Ben DiNucci in a few years could be that way. And then that's when he gets in a few preseason games, he looks good. And then you can uh, maybe have an asset in your, uh, in your quarterback room that you can break out if you need to, to get some draft capital or if there's an injury and you need a, uh, the backup to come in and make plays, you know, you have that. Absolutely. We, you know, again, we were talking about it at pre-recording and we talked about how, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, he had Brady Garoppolo and he also had Jacoby Brissett and he was able to get um, some nice pieces in return and, uh, and deals with, with those guys. Exactly. And 
Hell, the Garoppolo one, he got massacred for what, you know, how low, how little he got. It like, oh, he was helping his boys in San Francisco out, you know, by giving away for a second round pick. And there was reports that that one team would be been willing to offer a first and a second. So mm-hmm. that tells you, you know, how valuable a good backup that shows good quality can be uh, in the NFL. It's just such an important position. Absolutely. Well, Mike, let's talk about a position that doesn't get the respect that it deserves, especially when, when you talk to uh, fantasy minded people, we're going to talk about the running back. And here we have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. However, you know, do we have a third running back and do you see us carrying three running backs this season? I just think you have to, I think uh, it's, uh, you know, one injury to Zeke in a game and you're going to throw Pollard out there all the time and you got to have an emergency guy. What if Zeke goes concussion protocol? You know, then you then you have, you know, just Tony Pollard and it's just not going to work that way. You know, as much as some of our followers uh, and some of Cowboys Twitter are liking to just go four wide with a tight end and and throw, you know, away, you uh, you're going to have to have a guy back there. So the question was, uh, which one? And I know Jameis uh, Olawale, before he opted out, was the emergency third uh, running back, and he played fullback. And I believe they're going to go the same way. And I have um, – let me make sure I say his name right. Shewo Olanalua. Shewo Olanalua. I have him making – he's a really big back. Um, I believe if he keeps – if he could be taught to keep his pads low – He'll have no problem playing fullback, and he was very, very good short yardage at college. Uh, goal line runs, first down runs, he did all that really well. So he fits a role that an emergency back could do because if one of the other two goes out, the other one could be the main back, and then he could come in goal line situation, short yardage if they need to give people breaks. And he can also play the fullback. Um, there was a – I talked about it in my article. There was a time when he went out with injury – and Schultz moved to fullback and scored a touchdown. And that told me that they're not comfortable running the other two uh, uh, running backs. I want to get their names too. Rico, uh, uh, Rico Do- Dowdle, Dowdle, I Dowdle. What it is, Dowdle. And, yeah, Dowdle and Darius Anderson. They didn't even throw them out there to try it. And the two tight ends that are behind Jarwin are more on the line blockers. They haven't led block before, you know, it's not what they do. So I think Sewo makes the most sense there. And that's why I had him taking the third emergency slash fullback position. Mike, I feel like you brought up a good point there. You know, carrying three running backs almost feels like a must there because you mentioned it. What happens if Zeke were to miss a week or two, you know, as much as we love Tony Pollard and love what he adds to this team and his versatility, he doesn't strike me as someone who could carry the full workload like an Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, you know, good points brought up there. Uh, I think that if uh, anything were to happen to Zeke, it'd be wise for us to have a, uh, a short yardage guy, kind of a bigger bruiser guy who's going to get those, uh, third and shorts or he's going to be a guy that um, you have to uh, factor in once we get down there to the uh, goal line into the red zone. Yeah. And I think one of those two kids uh, behind them will make the practice squad. And with the new rules, you can call up a guy twice a year um, without ruining his practice squad eligibility. So say Zeke or Pollard had to miss a week. One of them could be called up for a week or two, Without an issue, they can come up and they become the third emergency 
um, guy or the guy behind if if Sewo's uh, running a lot of snaps at fullback, they can come become the guy behind the starter for a couple of weeks in, say, a concussion situation or something like that. Okay, well, well, Mike, here here comes a, a position group that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, especially since draft day. I'm talking about the wide receivers. Uh, you know, this is a position that we've talked about a lot. You know, we have Amari, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. But after those big three, you know, who do you – how many do you think we need this year, and who do you think is making the cut? It's tough because they legitimately have three guys that I would really like to have on this team um, because of not just their their in the passing game ability, but their ability on special teams uh, in different areas really help. Um, I think the fourth guy is pretty obviously Wilson. Uh, punt returner would could start in the slot this year if we didn't have C.D. Lamb fall to us, and you'd be okay uh, with that. He wouldn't be an issue if he can stay healthy. It has the size to play outside. Uh, Mike McCarthy, in an interview he did on the 21st uh, of August, I believe it was, talked about the guys behind the main three needing to have versatility and uh, special teams uh added in that's how they're gonna make the squad you know um my favorite guys i love john bay johnson and uh, smith has a lot of speed but for them to get on the field very much you're you're looking for an injury to lamb or uh gallup or cooper and you're not you don't want to bet on that you you want you want them to be about 80 percent of the three wide snaps uh, to be your main guys. You don't really want them shifting out, especially three studs like that. So your other guys need to be special teams. And it's funny, in the article, I put Ventrell Bryan as the other guy because uh, he's such a good special teamer. But over the last uh, two weeks, I'd say I've heard rumblings of uh, Dan uh, Rupert's guy, Noah Brown. When I first talked about my 53 man, that's the guy he said he'd be the fifth wide. And I was like, I don't know, man. Ventro Bryant, so good at special teams. He, he started some games last year. You know, he has a rapport with Dak. And uh, now I, I actually would make that change. Uh, Bryant just got injured. He had an MRI, no ACL tear. But I do believe he may end up on something like an IR to protect him, you know, to, uh, for a few weeks. Maybe you can bring him in later on. I'm still going over. There's a defensive back that's a good special teamer. And I don't know which ones, if they're going to go six wide or 11, 12 DBs. See, so it, it makes it tough because at some point you're getting a lot of DBs out there. So I'm putting Noah Brown in the fifth spot. I think they're only going to keep five because I believe Bryant's going to start the year injured and they're going to be able to protect him on like an injured reserve where somebody can't get him because somebody would. He's really, really good special teamer. People would be looking to grab him. You know, we've, it feels like we've been uh, we've heard Noah Brown's name get mentioned the last three or four years. He's always looking good in training camp. I believe he was. Um, were, were they not trying to convert him to a to a tight end? But you know, he's always been a good special teams guy, and uh, he just has never really got an opportunity. He seems to always make noise during the off season, but here, you know, what during the regular season he seems to. I, I shouldn't say disappear, but he never really gets a chance to to be on the field. Uh, do you think that he is a better better receiver than Cedric Wilson? 
let's um let's start the um uh a a segment of the show that most people know if they're followers of us. Let's crap on the Jason Garrett era. Yes. And um Noah Brown, you want to know why he was considered a tight end? Because when they brought him in, they only blocked with him. They they I you know it seems like in camp he's making a lot of plays as a wide receiver. Uh, he's made a few touchdown grabs with the with Dax throwing him the ball. Not right. like, you know, a Ben DiNucci on the third team. He's in there with the main. I personally, I like Wilson better. I think if he's healthy, um, he could be a damn good receiver. You know, he, uh, I, I believe uh, uh, Kevin Turner had him, uh, uh, forgive me, if, but I believe it was him, had him as a third-round grade the year we got him in the sixth round. Oh, wow. Like, he. Yeah, he he can make plays. It was just a really stacked wide receiver uh, class, like it ha- like it was last year and is going to be this year. And so I would have him as a better receiver than Noah Brown. But I believe Noah Brown does more stuff that makes a team as a fourth, fifth receiver. His blocking, his play on special teams, like Wilson's a punt returner on special teams, but he's not a a gunner, a tackler, you know, like. Uh, like Noah Brown is. And Noah Brown can come in at any time and he's going to be a good blocker. He's going to help you in the run game. And we don't honestly know if he can make plays in regular games because he's never given a chance. They, they just didn't call pass plays for him. Um, you know, the, we do what we do. The Garrett thing, they, they were going to do what they do. You, you knew what was coming. Uh, the, the defense knew, the people watching the games knew and they were going to run it and you had to out execute them. And now with the new regime, they're going to be about, you don't know what's coming, you know? So you got to try to stop us with all the talent we have. And also you don't know what's coming now. So it's going to be fun to see. I, I think Noah Brown made this team in the last two weeks and the injury I think is going to keep Bryant from making the sixth spot because he'll be able to be put on uh an IR for the first few weeks an IR with the ability to come back. Forgive me for not remembering what that's called, but I think that's, what's going to happen to protect him. Well, man, it seems like we have just a, uh, a wealth of talent there at wide receiver. And that's exciting to see. Cause you know, um, we know that Amari he's, he's had a couple of nagging injuries in his career. We know Gallup missed, missed time last year. I don't think lamb has ever had issues with injuries, but you know, we, we talked about it earlier. We, you can never have too many good players. So that's good to know that if one of those guys were to go down for a week or two, it sounds like we've got a, a, a good replacement ready and waiting. John Bay, John, we didn't even talk about John Bay Johnson, who I think is going to get to the practice squad, super speed. Yeah. Good route runner. Like he, he would be the guy. If you told me which one I would want him even over Cedric Wilson, if I knew he can consistently do, do when he does things well, he's the fourth best guy. It's just, he doesn't do them consistent enough. And that's why you end up on the practice squad. And I, and I don't think he'll be poached. Um, I don't think there's enough tape on him for somebody to go in and get him and put him on a 53 man. But I, I love him on the practice squad. And like you said, of an injury, if he ends up moving up, he could take somebody's spot if he performs in games consistently. He mm-hmm. just has too much talent if he gets it together in his head and 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 consistently performs. Right. You know, you mentioned John V. Johnson. I swear there's another guy that's uh looks sounds like he's getting his opportunity out there with the Chargers out there in Los Angeles. And I could have sworn I thought his name was John V. Johnson as well. You know, how likely is it that there's two John V. Johnsons, but 
man, I, for some reason, I thought that we had lost uh, John Vay Johnson to the Chargers and that he was, sounded like he was about to get his opportunity to be the third wide receiver out there for the Chargers. No, no, he's still with us, man. He's, he's made some plays in, uh, in camp and, uh, he's behind, uh, guys. He's, there's just too many, the roster's too, um, loaded to Uh get him on it. I couldn't believe me. He is my, I like him more than Brown. I like him more than Smith. I like him more than Brian. I like him more than, uh, Cedric Wilson, but I'm also not doing my, you know, this isn't Madden. You know, you can't take guys just on their, this guy's faster. This guy's, uh, you know, a better route runner. If you can't do it consistently, you know, you can't bring the ball in and it doesn't matter the separation or the, the, uh, the speed you bring to the unit. It, it just doesn't, you're, you're not going to make it if you, until you show that they can consistently count on you to do it, rep in and rep out, it's, mm-hmm. you're not going to make the team. So it was, when he mentioned speed, I mean, are we talking Tyreek Hill or, I mean, are we talking uh, McCole Hardman? What are we talking here? Um, we're not talking that type of speed. That type of speed would make the team. <laughs> that that type of speed is the type of speed that makes the team, even without consistency, because they're like, we're going to throw you out there because you're just you're scary for uh, for a defense. But it's a speed that we don't have. I think he is faster than Devin Smith, who's known as kind of a go-route speed guy. Right, I right. Think John Bay is a better speed guy and he's a better route runner when he does it when he's does it at his best okay he does that better but so he, he just he just doesn't he doesn't do it every snap you have to be able to do it all the time he might be uh, closer to the uh, uh, Robbie Anderson type then yeah I would say he's in the um early early four fours okay hey man that's nice you know you definitely want to hold on to to guys with that type of speed no doubt well Michael let's uh let's keep it moving here and then Looks like we're going to talk about our tight ends, and I feel like this is pretty easy. We have Jarwin, Dalton Schott, excuse me, Dalton Schultz, and then Blake Bell making the roster. Uh, do you see a need for to carry four tight ends? No, no, nobody else making. This is a real easy one. There's your starter. There's your two backups. The bird's starting. He's going to be a fantasy miracle this year if he stays healthy. Schultz and Bell are both your blocking guys. Um, I'm, I'm actually. Really interested. Dalton Schultz had a good camp, mm-hmm. um, and and he's got some good reps on tape last year when he was in some good blocking reps. He's gotten really good at it, and we know Blake Bell's known for his blocking. So um, I don't really want them to see the field very often because that means, you know, Lamb or Pollard is not on there, and Lamb or Pollard should be on the field, not Blake Bell or Dalton Schultz. But right. When they are in, you understand that they, there's stuff they can do. They they have stuff that they can bring to the team, and um, you know it, it's they just did a good job of constructing a roster with. If one team can stop something, we have the ability to flip, and you could go three tight ends. As much as I do not want to do that, if something's happening where a team is just able to cover our our um, wides, and we need to beat some teams up inside and, and pound the rock. The, either one of those two tight ends can come in and they're not a liability blocking, which is nice. The, the pass catching is a, a very secondary thing for our second tight end. I don't really care what they do pass catching with our, with all our weapons. I don't want our second tight end getting the ball. 
Right, you mentioned Dalton Schultz having a good camp. You know, I remember last week I was looking at some, uh, or, or rather, I was watching some uh, camp reports there here on YouTube, and it sounded like Schultz was actually taking taking some reps away from Jarwin there. So you know that that's exciting just to have the have that much talent at tight end. I don't think you know Jarwin obviously isn't in any uh, jeopardy to lose his starting starting job, but it was just exciting to know that there was a guy that's at least they're pushing him. It's amazing how this man, this coaching staff, so good. They make sure to rotate guys in because they understand shit happens. You know when when uh, Tyron Smith went out against Atlanta, you know, and it oh, basically God, killed yeah. our quarterback mm-hmm. for a few weeks. They were they were down. You know that stuff like that's not going to happen with this coaching staff because they have people playing everywhere, and if you play the best, you stay in. Uh-huh. They rotate guys. They they play guys with the Ventral Bryant was running with first teamers. He was he was running with first teamers. They put I can't remember which receiver, but they put one of the big three on the second team. Said Ventral Bryant's in because somebody takes a big hit over the middle. Jarwin goes over the middle on that seam route that they showed that everybody was happy about, and Xavier Woods was like, "I'd have lit him up. He would have been out of the game." Right. If that happens in a real game, and you got to make a third down completion, and it's third and twelve. And you hit a 15-yard seam route, and Blake gets walloped but holds the ball, goes concussion protocol. Dalton Schultz now has had snaps with the first team, mm-hmm. which is what you should do. I mean, like, you're not turning injuries off on Madden. This isn't a video game. I never understood how they didn't uh, do stuff like that. In the Garrett era, you barely ever saw young guys getting snaps and – we want to get these guys to, you know, play 80, 90% of the snaps, the regular guys, and just have them execute the best. That's not how things work in the NFL. That's not realistic. You have to go into the real world. Right. You know, that you know, you're saying that. I, I, that's a good point, Mike, because it's, it's important for these young guys to, to get even just meaningful snaps in practice. It kind of reminds me. I remember it was a couple of years ago. There was somebody talking about his time with the uh, – Patriots he said that you know they'd be practicing and all of a sudden Bill Belichick would blow the Wilson he said hey Tom Brady's out with an ACL we need the backup in now and what you know what that said is just that Tom that Bill Belichick wanted to have everybody ready for for any any time um, any place you know just ready ready for any situation and you know to have uh, uh, Brian out there with the first team I think that kind of just says that McCarthy wants everybody to be ready at all times Yes, and I love that. I wish we would do that more. You know, they uh, if you look at our our last year, we couldn't even play a backup quarterback because they didn't field one. Cooper Rush was not, you know, they'd rather have Dak go out there with one arm, didn't practice all week, than throw Cooper Rush out there. So they didn't even address the position. And then in other years, they addressed it with the with the um the the Whedons and the Castles of the world and 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 Kitnas and Moors and all that. And you look over at the other one and every, you know, he went, uh, Bill Belichick went 13 and six, I think without Brady and they had Garoppolo's and Forsets and, uh, and Hoyers and Matt Castles. Yeah. Matt Castles. Yeah. They won 11 games with Matt Castle. We won one, mm-hmm. you know, our roster and that different. It just shows what a coach can bring, you know, game plan wise and getting ready. And, uh, Man, I just love it. I love the the what what Mike McCarthy's bringing already. It gets me so excited.
Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And Mike, you kind of talked about it a little bit. You know, we're talking about the offensive line here. Uh, this is where things get a little tricky, at least in my opinion. You know, I feel like we have four no-doubt starters here with uh, with Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, and it sounds like Joe Looney is going to be our starting center. And I'm still trying to adjust uh, to the loss of uh, Travis Frederick here. But, you know, Mike, how many – how many offensive linemen do you think are going to make this roster? Because, it, you know, it sounds like we've got a good mix of, of depth and talent there. Yeah, this this was the first hard one. The, the first thing you had to do when you're going through the 53-man that was tough at first was figuring out the other two starters. Like you said, the three were the main. Who's going to replace Travis? And then is Connor going to keep his job? And I think that with the offseason, how it worked, I think that helped them. You know, two years ago, we were in the playoffs with those two. Connor Williams is a rookie. Joe Looney coming in, you know, without the offseason to get ready. You just found out about it, and he had to get up there. And they made the playoffs with him, and I think they're going to stick with him. I just don't see a reason to put in some young guys in the situation we're in. Uh, a first-year uh, uh, a rookie at center and then a left guard who is basically a rookie because he was injured all last year. Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, now, going in the future, you know, I think both those guys uh, are possibly better prospects than Williams or Looney. Obviously, Tyler uh, Biotis is a better prospect. He was a Remington Award winner. So there's no doubt if you're the college football's best center the year uh, earlier, then you're going to come in and be a better prospect than Joe Looney, um, who's kind of been a backup for his whole career for us. But right now, he's been there. He's made a playoffs. He's won a division with Dak. I think they're both going to be the starters. So we know the starting five. So it's about trying to figure out who they keep. And it is not easy because they have a, a good for, – for backup offensive linemen-wise, they are pretty solid. You know Connor McGovern and uh, Beattis are making the team. I also think Brandon Knight showed enough. He got starts last year. Uh, at tackle Jets game, uh, people were out. And there was another one where he got time along with uh, Cam Fleming. And I believe he's going to be the Cam Fleming uh, replacement uh, at tackle. Um, I believe people think that that's Cameron Irving as a swing tackle. I think he is there for versatility. He's not a very good tackle on tape from what he's shown on tape. He's much better on the inside. But it's nice to have a guy that can play it. Uh, I personally would keep Redmond, the scout in me. As I said in the article, the scout in me says Redmond's just a better offensive lineman. But I think they're going to do Irving because Cameron Irving's very good inside. He, he can play guard center and be fine there. He has the ability to play tackle. I just don't think he's very good at it. But that ability in a, in a pinch to be able to move anywhere, I think gets him on the squad. So that gives us the starting five with Beatis, McGovern, Brandon Knight, and Cameron Irving. So that's nine we're keeping. So the question is, what do you do with the uh, uh, the Adam Redmans, the Cody uh, Wickmans, the um, Terrence Steeles? We know Mitch Hyatt now is going to go on IR, so he'll be here. They'll put him on there. Um I also think that they're going to roll the dice with Adam Redman, uh, Cody Wickman, and um, and Steele. At first, I had one of them being practice squad protected, 
I don't know if they will now. If they do, it'll be Redmond just because he's had games on tape and real Cowboys games. So people have been able to see him. And we know how secrecy and keeping our young players off the radars of other teams has been for Coach Mike McCarthy this offseason. So if they did put one practice squad protected, I would put Redmond. But as for right now, I'm going to say they all three attempt to go to the practice squad and hopefully get through. But I'm going to save my protected guys for a little bit later on. Very good breakdown there, Mike. And I was curious. I haven't heard too much about Connor Williams or Connor McGovern this offseason. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, any any positive or negative reports about those two guys? I don't. The thing about it is I'm, I'm happy that it's like this, but you haven't really heard anything about him. And I remember as a rookie, you heard a lot about how he was getting killed. O'Connor Williams getting killed and overpowered. Right. And uh, this year it's been pretty silent as far as Connor Williams, Joe Looney and Zach Martin are concerned. It's just been a, they played consistently well enough. You know, the tackles have been out and you've heard all, if you follow any of Dave Hellman, John uh, Machota, uh, uh, man, there's one more Michael something. I apologize. Kyle Yeomans. They all talk about, how the offensive tackles have been out and they, the backups have been getting abused by our defensive line. But if you notice, you don't hear anything from the interior. Now that was true when McCoy was there. So to say like, Oh, McCoy's injured and these DTs aren't as good. I just don't believe that's true. When McCoy was there, people weren't talking about him either. And I just think it's not that they've done great. I'm sure they've gotten beat by McCoy and, and Poe and, and, and they, but they've also had their good reps. And when you play consistently without showing people have to be worried about you, that's a good thing, especially mm-hmm. from, from guys that are question marks, you know, Zach Martin, you expect it. Oh, Zach Martin's killing everybody. No big deal. But when you hear it from Looney and Connor Williams and McGovern that when they're in, they're not, you know, there's not, you're not consistently hearing how they're getting beat. That's great news. I heard a couple of things about, you know, Beatus needs to bulk up a little bit. And I think he he'll use this off season, this whole season to do that. And I do believe he's going to be the starter next year. If Looney goes down, I said this in my article, if Looney goes down and Beatus gets in the games, he may never leave. He's that kind of talent. You don't become the Remington award winner without, you know, having that level of ability, you know, he can play, but uh, I'm going to stick with uh, Williams and Looney starting. And I, and I think they're fine. Not hearing anything is not a big deal. That's a good sign. Oh, well that, well, I appreciate that, Mike. Cause you know, I'm always curious. You, you hear reports. We've heard a lot of reports about how CD lamb has looked. We've heard a lot about Trayvon Diggs and things like that. And we just haven't heard too much about uh, some of these offensive linemen. So I appreciate the reassurance there. Well, Mike, as of right now, let's see it. Uh, you know, we don't usually do too much math on the show here, but sounds like we have 22 right here on offense. Is that what you have? Yes, 22. That's correct. Okay, so we're going to talk about a uh, another position group, Mike. We're going to talk about the special teams here, and I feel like this should be pretty easy. You know, we're going to have one kicker, Greg Zerline, one punter. I believe it's still going to be Matt Jones, and then one long snapper, um, 
uh, please re- remind me, Mike, you know, one of the most infamous long snapper in the game, I'd have to imagine. L- LP Latisor. Yeah, L- Latisor. Yes, sir. Latisor. And it's also, I think it's Chris Jones. I think Chris Matt Jones, Jones yes. the receiver, right? The old receiver that had all this stuff. Yes, yeah, Chris sir. Jones. Uh, the infamous Jaguar there, Matt Jones. Um, at, at this point, we might want Matt Jones as the punter. Chris Jones, the last two years, man, I hope a new coach helps, but. He's been terrible. So, you know, go get Marquette King, man. That's who I want on the 53, man. I don't really want Chris Jones anymore. Hey, you know, Marquette King, you, we talked a little bit about Ben DiNucci and his swagger. Marquette, Marquette King doesn't like any swagger by any means. Yeah, I know. I think that's what's keeping him off a team, too, is people are like, we don't need that, you know, stuff from our punter. But, man, when your punter's not good for two straight years, Risky, man. Risky to go in with him, but you know, I, I give Fossil. Fossil's a great special teams coach, so I'm not. I'm not going to question what he decides to do on the special teams. He thinks Chris Jones still got it. Let's go. Well, so Mike, you know, we're talking about it. Do you, do you, any of these positions require a backup in your eyes? No, 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 nope. They're all good. We'll we'll if something happens. LP's played every game for like a million years. He was he was around when Landry was around. Uh, Zerline is uh, Fossil's boy, and Chris Jones been here forever, so they're good, they're set, and, and we move on. You know, there for a while, I thought we were going to have ourselves a little bit of a kicker battle between Zerline and uh, Forbath there. Yeah, no, it's a money thing, man. One of them got paid money, the other one didn't get, didn't have any money, so they're going to go with the money guy, and he's the coach's dude, like right. Fossil's kicker. You mm-hmm. love him in. In St. Louis, in, in St. Louis, in uh, uh, Los Angeles, and so they are—they're going to go with that guy, and he's looked good in camp. He's thirty-one for thirty-two. He missed one sixty-yard field goal and made it the very next attempt after he missed it. So that's a damn good camp. Well, well, let's hope he can do do some damage between the uh, the forty, the thirties, and the forties too, though, right? That's all. I don't want them kicking 60 yarders unless it's like fourth and 15 and it's a better. They're doing a great job. That's the first time he's kicked a kick over 50, I believe it was. He's been all under 47 yards on his kicks that I have, uh, that I've tallied going through, uh, um, I believe John Machota or Kyle Yeomans tracks almost every one of them. And uh, they, they, they're showing that, hey, this range is where we want to keep you. And if there's, Ones that's like 50 yards, we got to see the down and distance because analytics-wise, a lot of times it's better to go for it in that situation than try to boom a, a field goal out and blow your kicker's leg out. Right, and, you know, we, we had a lot of experience last year with uh, with those long, successful field goals. However, when it was when it came to those uh, easy makes, it seems like that was the uh, those were the backbreakers for us last season. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Zerline isn't being asked to to kick too many 60 yarders in camp. Yeah, the Zerline had those issues from 40 to 52, but Fossil Fossil and the kicker believe that it's it was injury related. Um so we're so far in camp he's been great. We hope when he gets out there nothing's in his head because that's what we need. Make your make your 45 yard field goals. That's the key. All right, Mike, well here we are again doing some more math, and we're up to 25 total. So we have 20 more eight spots to fill. Uh, you know, that sounds like a lot, but here when we're talking about this defensive line, you know, at one point a, a, 
a position of weakness early in the offseason, and now it appears to be more of a strength even after the McCoy injury. Well, Mike, who, who do you have making the cut, and how many are we going to carry this year? This was tough, man. This was this was really rough. They have a lot of good talent on the defensive line, guys that you want to build with. And um, McCoy getting injured did make it a lot easier because it moved the, uh, the numbers around uh, a little better. I know in the offseason, um, uh, Mike McCarthy said we want to keep four DTs and six edge rushers. I kind of went by that. If you consider that I do have Crawford starting at a three technique, but I think he'll play in in a three, four. And I think they're just going to count him as part of the ends, even though he will be playing a lot of snaps, most of his snaps at the three technique. So my starters are tank Crawford, Poe and Griffin. That's pretty obvious. Uh, the reserves, we've got Gallimore Woods and Hill at DT. And I have uh, Alvin Smith making it at defensive end. So it came down to the last two edge rusher spots. And let me look what we got here. We have Bradley and I are uh, into the fifth round rookie who's been making noise at camp. Joe Jackson, uh, who I love. I love his size. I think he fits well with Tom Sula. I think he fits the unique uh, system that Nolan wants to play with the hybrid. We have Rondell Carter, the guy we played a ton of money to as on a restricted free agent, and uh, Dorrance Armstrong. And so when I went through, I said, okay, I'm going to try to find a way to keep two of these guys. Anai I knew I was putting on the team. Too good in the locker room, too hard of a worker, too good special teams. He, he's everything you want in an extra guy, even if he wasn't a elite college pressure guy and an elite college sack guy so he got you sacks and 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 pressures and he's been killing the backup tackles a lot of people when you hear that you think well yeah the backup tackles yeah but this is a fifth round it this is one pick away from being a sixth round pick so he's not supposed to come in and dominate your backup tackles you know he's supposed to come in and battle your backup tackles if he's dominating your backup tackles that means he has the ability to make plays against starters And that's the last thing I need from him right now. Like the reason he's making the roster for me is his locker room, his fight. I mean, if you talk to anybody that, that was on that team from Utah's elite defense that had so many people drafted from it, they talk about how he was the practice guy. I mean, he just, he, he was a leader there. Reminds me of uh, Michael Irvin back in the nineties Cowboys. He was the guy that led the practices. He was fire. He brought it. And so he was making the team, unless he was just getting killed out there where he couldn't make any plays. And now that I know he's making plays, I'm, I, I had to have him on there. So then the final one goes between Armstrong, Joe Jackson, Carter. I have Carter as a practice squad protected. I think too many people wanted him in undrafted free agency. I don't think he's gotten enough time to get snaps. And so I don't think they're just going to let him go. They had to pay him so much money to bring him in as a drafted free agent. I think they understand that other teams are interested in him, even if they didn't see him get snaps. So he's the guy I'm using my second practice squad protected on. So the question is Dorrance Armstrong or Joe Jackson. What do you think, Paul? If you were going Dorrance Armstrong, Joe Jackson, what, 
how, how would you like to go if you were? Well, Mike, I, you know, I hate to do this, but I'll answer your question with a question. I, there was one name that, that I, I don't think I heard you, you say, however, that, that we've been hearing uh, about lately is Randy Gregory. Did, did, did you include him? Paul Gregory. I did not, but the reason is he's suspended right now. So at the end of the article I did, mm-hmm. I added a little bit of things that might change, people that might rotate practice squad protected. I will say this. Ladarius Hamilton's another guy that I he'll make the practice squad. That there, Ladarius Hamilton's one of the reasons that Mike McCarthy did not uh, put out this blue and right scrimmage on tape. He doesn't want people seeing these guys. Ladarius Hamilton has been a wall inside. He has been a guy that could that could have snaps at post position. But there's just too many guys that we have there. So I think there's not enough snaps and there's not enough video of him for another team to pick him up and put him on their 53 man. So I think he's going to make practice squad. And the, what I did with, with Gregory, the way I, I did it is I had, I, I made the choice of Dorrance Armstrong over Joe Jackson. The reason I did that is because Dorrance, it brings a different type of pass rush. I think he's more of a, he could be a three, four outside linebacker speed rush where Joe Jackson would be more of a three, four end. And I think they have enough people that could do that. Uh, and his four, three defensive end work, I would kind of rather see Bradley and I, um, Alden Smith tank them do that. So I went with Dorrance Armstrong there. I put Joe Jackson on the practice squad. He's a guy that possibly could get protected just because there's been tape out on him. Now, if Gregory comes back, I believe that another guy would be protected. Joe Jackson would go to the regular practice squad. If he got picked up, he got picked up. And Gregory would obviously make the team over Dorrance Armstrong. Now the question is, does Dorrance Armstrong get practice squad protected? Or does he just flat out, you know, did people, did they give him a shot at him? Or do they keep Dorrance Armstrong, go against what the coach said, and maybe not keep somebody from the next unit we're going to talk about? So it's tough to say the 53 man's really easy to do when you're not considering that a guy may be coming back. And from what Jane Slater reported today, he could be, there could be news on him in mid September. So man, it just makes it tough. I'll say right now I'm leaving Gregory aside as a suspended uh, uh, guy who's not able to make the 53 man mm-hmm. Armstrong to me, the last guy, Joe Jackson, Hamilton, go to practice squad. Rondell Carter gets practice squad projected, uh, protected. That's my uh, that's my projection of what they're going to do at the D line. This is just fun to me, Mike, because again, I mentioned it. You know, early in the off season, we were really concerned about this uh, defensive line, especially after losing Robert Quinn. And here we are, and it sounds like we don't even have enough spots for the guys that that we have here. Yeah, and that, and and don't get me wrong, none of those young guys are going to give you 11 sacks like, like Quinn did. Oh, of course. But, but uh, Everson Griffin's an upgrade. He's going to help tank. And uh, the beef that they got inside, losing McCoy is a big loss. I am, I'm not going to downplay it. He, he makes the inside solidified. See, our edge was going to be good because you had tank and then, a, you know, an Alden Smith, a, 
a Everson Griffin, a guy outside that can make plays. Even if Crawford was out there, he would be solid opposite tank. But the inside was bolstered by getting a push from McCoy. And that is a push that we have lost. Crawford's not going to get the same push. But I think the ability to to ro- have Poe, Crawford, Alden can move in, Tank can move in. You know, they have enough guys. Antoine Woods is, uh, is a nice guy to have that can throw either spot and be okay versus the run and can add a little push. So I, uh, I like this unit. I would love to have McCoy. I think if they had McCoy on this unit, they would be Super Bowl worthy. Like they would be just under Niners and Redskins as far as, sorry, Washington football team as, uh, as the defensive line top guys. Without McCoy, we're, we're not up at that, you know, second-tier level, but we're still good. We're in the above-average to good uh, level of rotation of defensive line. Yeah, you know, that, that was unfortunate. I know we were all excited about, about Gerald McCoy and what he was going to bring to the table. And, man, just a, just a freak injury, you know, wrote, takes him out for the season. And, you know, hopefully uh, maybe Woods will – will step up, you know, considering this is a contract year for him and, you know, maybe one of these young guys will exceed expectations. But, yeah, I mean, to, to be mentioned with the Washington Washington defensive line and the 49ers defensive line, you know, if we have McCoy, man, that's pretty high praise. Yeah, the, the, the real worry I have is just can Tyrone Crawford hold up inside enough or can Neville Gallimore and, or Hill make the move to to be good enough to where Crawford doesn't have to have the snaps that he might have to have, at least in pass rush situations. You know, we just need another guy that can help Poe keep the linebackers free of blockers. And it worries me Crawford taking that many snaps regularly, let alone off a of hip surgery. So I'm not going to act like that's not a concern position, but, you know, I, I think we're we're good there. We're not, it's not a, a need or a deficit position. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that Hamilton got two games moved up where he um, made it up and made some plays and they, and they may just give Crawford a, you know, sore back week off a couple of times to keep him fresh throughout the year. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned a name that I, that I'm excited to see, um, you know, how to uh, take the next step. And you're talking about Tristan Hill there. I'd love for him to uh, to be able to um, show us why we we used a second round pick on him. You, you mentioned maybe helping uh, Tyrone Crawford, you know, not having to take on so many snaps. That'd be nice to see Tristan Hill kind of uh, prove the haters wrong, if you will. Uh, he's the reason he was a second to third round grade is he had elite traits and, you know, he didn't start his whole last, the last season of his college, he was a backup and was still a second to third round grade. You know, if he was a starter and played, he's probably first to second round. Mm-hmm. He just has great get off. He has great traits. And you put that with Jim Tom Sula on that defensive line. That guy knows how to coach guys up and he's really loved what Tristan Hill's done so far. So, you know, I'm sticking with him. Um, I think he makes a team. I think he's a contributor. Like, it's not going to be like last year where he makes the teams inactive. I think he's going to be in. He's going to uh, get a good percentage of snaps along with Neville Gallimore, and they're going to put these young guys to the test this year. Well, I love to hear that. And 
Well, Michael, you know, we spent a good amount of time on the defensive line, and rightfully so, considering the talent and the depth, it sounds like we have there. But let's talk about a, a position group that, um, outside of the starting four, you know, we're going to talk about our linebackers here. We have Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh, Sean Lee, and Joe Thomas look to be our starting four. But who and how many linebackers do you, do you see making the cut this year? This is the team's best unit. People oh, really? think it's wide receiver. Yeah, mm-hmm. people think it's wide receiver. It's not wide receiver. Wide receiver is three deep, and then they got some question marks. If somebody, if somebody on that wide receiver core is out eight weeks, Cedric yeah. Wilson's a, a good replacement. If Leighton Vanderesh hurts his neck again, Joe Thomas and Sean Lee come in and are starter quality. They, they, you're, you're gonna have a downtick because Leighton Vanderesh is so damn good. But there are teams that wish they're starting Joe Thomas and Sean Lee this year as their starters. They're that good. And then behind that group, Leighton Van Dresch now at middle, Jalen in his new roaming uh, over 4-3 uh, blitzing uh, pass rush linebacker spot um, where he doesn't have to worry as much about being in the middle and he can just react and make plays. Sean Lee will get his temp, you know, his typical 20, between 20 and 30% of snaps at the uh, other 4-3 spot when they play that. And then Joe Thomas, great backup. The thing is, is they have three young guys. And personally, I have them, all three of them, making the team. And it was tough because that was one of the reasons I couldn't get Ventrell Bryant on the team. Mm, um, okay. But, but I think Luke Gifford has the size and ability and – to be Sean Lee's replacement after this year. He has that kind of ability. He's also very good on special teams. He has injury concerns. I believe he's going to be okay. He's going to be able to make the 53 man. Justin March is a Damian Wilson, uh, Anthony Hitchens, uh, Hitchens type guy. Excuse me. Um, If he was, if he had to play the four, three for 20% of the snaps, he'd be fine as the other guy. He's very good in special teams. Uh, he's going to make the team for sure. And then another Dan Rupert guy, when it, when they got the undrafted free agents, it wasn't Rondell Carter. He told me, watch Francis Bernard out of Utah. This kid can play. He can play in the league now in certain types of schemes and, and situations. And he's showing already in camp that in nickel coverage situations, Francis Bernard can be out there and and be relied on to make plays he's picked off Dak Prescott already he got another interception off of one of the other two young uh uh quarterbacks he made another play that could have been an interception he's making plays all over the field there's no way they let that guy get to 53 man and I don't even think they're going to use a uh practice squad protection on him because Fossil likes, he said in interviews before, he likes defensive guys on his special teams. So this is one of the spots where I had to weigh Ventrell Bryant versus Bernard. And I just think a seventh linebacker who plays special teams in the way Sean Lee, Jalen, Van Der Esch, and Gifford have all had injury concerns throughout their careers, basically, so far, as young as they are, um, they, uh, they need that depth. And if you can play special teams and be able to play in the linebacker unit, there's no reason not to keep you on the team. It it would be a dumb move not to really. So, you know, I'm not considering them to make a dumb move. I think all seven of them make the squad. That's, that's how I'm uh, doing the 53 man. 
This is very interesting, Mike, just because you think about this team three years ago, you know, every time uh, Sean Lee would go out and make a tackle or would, you know, take a, a minute to get up off the field, we would all kind of cringe in fear because once we lose Sean Lee, it seemed like our defense just kind of uh, crumbled along with him. And now to hear uh, hear that linebackers are second second best position group, I'm, I'm very surprised there. Yeah, no, no. I have them as the best position. Well, quarterback, that's not. That's actually not true. Dak, Andy Dalton's as good as, as you can get as a two-person quarterback room. But I would put them second. I would put them ahead of the receivers even as our best overall full unit. They, I would, I seriously, over the next few years, if our, if our lineup was Jalen, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, Luke Gifford, and Francis Bernard was our uh, rotating in guy, and then you, you know, you go from there because people are going to move on. Joe Thomas going to get money somewhere. Lee's going to retire. Justin March could have got money this year if you wanted to. And I have a feeling Luke Gifford's going to over or Francis Bernard's going to overtake him as a starter mm-hmm. when Lee goes. So Justin March probably leaves too. But if you have those four I mentioned, I'm happy going forward with that. And then you just draft a guy or sign a, a you know, a guy that maybe makes the practice squad, maybe makes the team. You've got a good uh, solid base to your unit. It's just making sure they're healthy. If Van Der Esch and Jalen are healthy, they're, they're going to be stars. They're going to be killers out there. It's, it's going to make a complete difference in the, uh, in the, in the linebacker, the, the way we play defense, they're going to have, they're going to be able to fly around with the new beefy guys we have up front to take up blocks they're both fast enough to cover in areas. Mike Nolan is a linebacker's guy. Look what he did with uh, Davis and the Saints. Uh, there's no reason not to be excited about this linebacker core one through seven. It is it is excellent. Well, man, well, I apologize for uh, misquoting you, Mike. You didn't say it was the second best. It was the first best. And, man, that is a bold statement, even when you're talking about uh, Dak and uh, – Dak and Andy Dalton, and then he even uh, one-upped it a bit and said it's better and what it sounds like deeper than our wide receiver group. And it seemed like we're, you know, I know we're both pretty high, not obviously on the on the trio at wide receiver, but even the uh, the guys that are uh, playing the backups there have to have some potential as well. So, you know, I didn't realize that our linebacker linebacker core was that good, but man, that, that's exciting to hear. Yeah, be excited about that linebacker group. Get they just have. So much size and ability. It, it, man, I just I really fingers crossed that all of them can stay healthy. You know, if they can all stay healthy and Luke Gifford gets a year to be in the in the meeting rooms with Sean Lee and Van Der Esch and Jalen and Joe Thomas and just soak up all that knowledge, he is he's gonna be excellent. And Francis Bernard is already showing, and he comes from a, a school that plays a, a pro-style defense in Utah. So that's one of the reasons it was so nice to get him. He, he knew coming – you knew coming in that that him and Anai were not going to be guys that, that couldn't play in a unique Nolan uh, hybrid system. They, they'll be able to figure it out quicker than most. Yeah, I uh... – but man, I, I, I really, seriously, I'm just kind of shocked because I didn't realize, you know, I knew that um, we, we've seen what Leighton Van Der Esch can do. We've seen what uh, Sean Lee can do. and We've seen what Jalen Smith can do. But I just didn't realize that we had the uh, 
the youth and the upside and, you know, just the depth of talent, even at linebacker, man. Yeah, man, you got it. You know, I go through Kyle Yeomans and Dave Hellman and Brian Broaddus and, and, uh, and they will tell you in camp, these guys just made last year. It was Gifford this year. It's Bernard. Justin March has always been a, a you know, he's nothing spectacular, but he's right. a good special teamer. And, and if you had to throw him out in that Damian Wilson role, he'd be fine. If, if Lee went down and they wanted Joe Thomas to, for some reason, stay around and be the middle and they needed some guy to be, just be out there uh, in the four, three plays and save Joe Thomas in case uh, Van Der Esch was injured or Jalen was injured. March would be fine. 20, 25% of the snaps. You, you wouldn't have a liability out there. Well, I do like hearing that. Well, you know, here we're, we're getting close to wrapping things up, Mike. And last but not least, we're going to talk about our defensive backs. Uh, this is where things get interesting. It doesn't look like we have a real sense of who will be starting at safety at this point. And, you know, it doesn't even really seem that we know who our day one starting corner cornerbacks are as of today. Well, Mike, talk to us about our secondary. All right. So this was a fun one because – I have going over what I've heard from Nolan, from the coaching staff, from the players in their interviews. I went over this in the article I did. I really believe this is going to be a matchup style team that they're getting guys that are going to go week to week. You're going to have guys like a Worley that'll play a week against the Washington football team where he'll barely see the field. And then you'll play another game where he's where we're playing against Evan Ingram and he's out there a whole lot of snaps because I think he's going to match up against the tight end. Right. And I see that in, in, a, in, a, in a variety of our guys. So when I broke it down, I have Cheeto as the cornerback one. I think he's going to start. If you look, a lot of people have rotated to safety and everybody talked about Cheeto doing it. He hasn't done it at all. He hasn't even been talked uh, to about doing it. Worley's done it. Reggie Robinson's done it. You know, they've, they've moved guys uh, back and forth there and not none from Cheeto. So I think he's going to be cornerback one, and he's set. Right away, I'm throwing digs at cornerback two. Oh, I know wow. there's other options. Yes, I'm, I'm putting him out there. I think I just think he's been too good in camp. Mm-hmm. And you put him out there, and he makes plays. I know he's going to have his issues. He's going to have his mistakes. I get that. But I just think he's too good of a prospect. He's a, he's a guy that they might have took at 17. I think he's going to go out on the opposite side. And they're going to let him make plays and he's going to learn on the job and they'll be better for it in week 10, week 11, when he starts to ding, ding, ding. Okay. I know what's going on 100% now because I've had so many snaps uh, in it. Now, could Worley just be out there as a corner? Yes. Would he probably be better week one, not getting beaten and everything? He would, but I have a specific role for him with the tight end. And uh, in my article, I went over, I'd have to have the schedule in front of me, but we play like Higby, uh, Ingram, Ertz, Andrews. Uh, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. I mean, we just have a load of, of tight ends that we have to go through. And I see them going, all right, Worley, this is your guy. You're, you know, get ready for him this week. And in third down, you know, he's not just going to be in every down, but in the passing situations, it gets second and 10, third and seven, where you got to get, hey, you lock him up. That's your guy. And so you blitz, then you bring a blitz, 
and you and you lock up Worley with the tight end and say, take him out. That's your job. You've got to study him all week. What does he do? What do they like to do with him? That's your guy. I also believe that Brown is going to be in the slot. Brown's been our slot. He's done he's been an excellent slot corner for years. He has the size, he has the speed. There's no reason to change it. And I know that including myself, I really like Jordan Lewis and we have a lot of Jordan Lewis darlings out there that believe he's our best corner. And they're going to be mad that I have three starters in front of them. And I have Worley as a tight end guy, but I think Lewis is going to have a big role and it's one injuries happen and he's going to be able to play all three spots. So he's going to be your cornerback four, designated cornerback four. There's going to be no safety for him, not rotating back and forth. If somebody gets hurt, somebody gets concussion, somebody goes out, somebody gets a cramp, he comes in and plays whatever spot they're in. The other thing that he does really well, and we remember it a couple of years ago in the Saints game, he took Alvin Kamara out of the game. Mm-hmm. And again, you go through the schedule, Miles Sanders is on there. I know that for sure. I know – um Camp. Oh, man, I wish I had it in Todd front of me. Gurley. Uh, Todd Gurley is another one. Uh, Akers could be a guy in the first week that's a receiving uh, threat. You know, so in things where, where a team spreads it out and has a one back, we can go with a unique like a one, three, and a bunch of defensive backs and have Worley match up with a tight end, have uh, Kamara match up with a running back, and just say, you know, every week tell Jordan Lewis, know this guy. Know your responsibilities if someone gets hurt. But prepare for these five games where we're playing this set of people and we're going to need you to be a matchup guy. And I think that's what they're going to do there. Now, safety is interesting. I, I've heard the talk about Thompson being the one. We know Woods is in. Woods is a starter. I've heard a lot of talk about Thompson I would be worried if Thompson's the starter there. If HaHa's the starter and he can play at the level he played in Chicago, I'm good. He he was he was a good safety last year. He was fine. You don't need a all pro at every position. What he did last year was fine. Darian Thompson feels like another Heath to me. Like, yeah, he he doesn't kill you out there. But I don't want to there's an issue if he's starting, especially with guys like Logan Ryan and Earl Thomas on the on the uh, free agent market to go get haha's there. I'm good. I'm going to put haha still as a starter. I understand that the, that Thompson's been the word and he's been running a lot with the run ones. And if he's there, that's fine. And haha will be the backup. I'm going to put haha as the starter or they're going to go get a guy. And I'm going to put woods as a starter. And then Darian Thompson and Wilson will be the backups. So that's your safety and corner group. The other two guys and this is where it gets interesting. Reggie Robinson, I have making this team. Uh, he's just too much effort. They, they showed a play where the guy, it's the Tulsa's blowing out a team. The game's over. There's a turnover or a busted run play. And the guy runs it up the middle, wide open. The game's over. Just let him run for it. Reggie Robinson runs him down from behind to make a tackle in a game that was over. I mean, he didn't even have to. <clears throat> he always plays hard constantly he also blocks a lot of kicks he's played safety and corner he was known for press man uh as a press man corner at the end of the year but he played early at safety so he's versatile so i see him making the team the other one the one that i'm having trouble with is goodwin goodwin is elite on special teams 
as good as we have. So is Ventrell Bryant. So my question is, do you keep an 11th DB and Goodwin can't re- if he's playing corner, you, you have an issue. Like he's not a good coverage cornerback. He's a liability. He's there because he's an elite cover guy or an elite uh, kick covering guy. He's great on special teams. So do you keep a sixth wide receiver in Ventral Bryant who's played with the ones who's made plays in real games and is an elite special teamer or Goodwin? Well, I've gone Goodwin because Ventral Bryant just got injured. So that's one thing that I was still up in the air about. I took Bryant over Noah Brown and I had Goodwin making the team in my article. Now I have Brown making it, and I would have had Ventrell Bryant making it as a sixth wideout, but I think Goodwin's going to make it, and Ventrell Bryant's going to be IR. I know that's long-winded, but there was a lot of stuff we needed to go over in the defensive back, so I'm sorry about that, Paul, but I think we made it through it all right. Well, well, Mike, don't apologize. I appreciate the breakdown, but what I get from this is so. You mean to tell me that we are not going to go out there in a base defense, you mean to tell me that we're actually going to game plan and that we're actually going to put our best players out there and maximize their skill set this year. That's, that's what you're telling me this year, Mike. We haven't seen it in a long, long time, but there's this thing. I know that it's, that it's weird to us that we just think you put out your 11 guys and you run this one scheme and you just out execute the team. And that's how you're supposed to play football. But that's not actually true. Bill Belichick, who's won a few games, he's okay, you know. He matches up every week. He finds your biggest strength and tries to eliminate it. You're going to beat me a different way. He matches up. He calls his his blitzes because of the certain team he's playing. He calls his coverages because of the certain teams he's playing. He plays man or zone depending on the certain teams he's playing. And now we're going to do that. And I, I knew we were going to do it up front because we're run, they've said the whole time we're running a hybrid 4-3-3-4. And they, but if you listen to enough of what the, the team's talking about, uh, Linquist, who's the DB's coach, just talked about how he tells his players, you're a DB. You're not a cornerback. You're not a safety. You're a defensive back. Know all the positions. And the reason is because in a matchup, uh, uh, thing week to week you're going to be asked to do different things it's just how it is I'm telling you there's going to be games where Worley sees three snaps and there's going to be games where he gets 50% of the snaps and it's going to be that kind of year and I'm here for it I love it uh, Mike this is just crazy to me because we think about how bad we looked last year especially on defense I mean there were games where we, we just couldn't make a tackle to save our life you know I know we were dealing with some injuries there but just to think that, uh, you know, not even a full calendar year, but to think that the linebacker linebacker group is the best position group on this team and we it's we don't have enough spots for our defensive linemen and to think that our, our defensive backs are actually going to be playing to their strengths, it's just – it feels like a totally different team, Mike. Yeah, it's incredible, you know, when you don't just rely on talent. Like I get that was the thing about Garrett. He was a he was a, a neutral or negative coach. If your team was great and you didn't have injuries and the schedule worked out right, you could go 12 and 4, 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 10 and 6. <clears throat> the minute the schedule was hard, an injury to a certain position, and you had to adjust and anything like that, eight and eight. You know, it, it just it just how it was. It it was uh 
it, he didn't add anything. Where now it feels like this team, we had the worst special teams in football. So say Fossil, Fossil probably could have won us two games last year. Patriots game for sure could have won us. Uh, how about the defense? How many games did we just get? We got annihilated by the by Mitch Trubisky. We got annihilated by Josh Allen. Not like, you know, Joe Montana's of the world. But they knew going in, here's what they're going to run. Here's how we beat it. So they knew the reads going in. Well, they have arm strength. You know, they have ability. They can move, especially mobile quarterbacks. They knew when they needed to be able to run. <clears throat> and uh, it's just nice to now have where every game, the game is going to be, what can we do to attack this thing, this team's offense, they're, they're eliminate their strengths and attack their weaknesses. And then the same thing on the other side of the ball. And it, it's just beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm so ex- I'm more excited about that than I am about how good the roster is. Mike, it's funny, you know, cause all off season, especially after the CD lamb pick, I've just been, you know, uh, very excited about uh, our offense, but you know, after our discussion today, I can't wait to watch what our defense does this year. I'm, I'm more excited about our defense. Cause I, cause I know it's like, um, it's like I said, like um, uh, I'm more excited about CD lamb than Amari Cooper. Right. Well, Amari Cooper is going to be the better wide receiver, but I know what Amari Cooper is going to do. Mm-hmm. 1100 yards, six to eight touchdowns. You know, he's going to have a few drops, but no biggie. You know, I know what he's going to do. I know the offense is going to be awesome. I I'm I, what I want to see is what Mike Nolan does with this talent and giving them a, a chance to to play in a system that attacks a team's weaknesses. I'm I'm so ready for it. I can't even explain. I'm more excited about that than I am about the walnut chorizo taco. <laughs> well, Mike, you know, we, we could probably talk for at least another hour or so, you know, about our expectations and about this defense, it sounds like. But, you know, we're as we're getting up against the time limit here, you know, we, we'd hate to lose another episode. So, you know, Mike and I, again, I appreciate the discussion and, uh, you know, as we're wrapping things up, I'm curious, who's your training camp MVP and, and who has failed to meet your expectations? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I would say failed to meet the expectations, I guess would have to be the offensive tackles, right? I mean, they just haven't been able to get out there. You know, they haven't been able to to show what they've got. And that's um, that's unfortunate. Also, ha-ha, you got to add ha-ha Clinton Dix if, if – Darian Thompson is getting first team reps. I mean, Jesus, you know, that that's not good. Uh, as far as the MVP. Wow. I mean, it, it's gotta be CD lamb. How can it not? It has to be CD lamb. I mean, there, there's been enough. There's been plenty, especially on the defensive end, but I mean, CD lamb was ranked by the Dallas Cowboys writers as the number one wide receiver in camp so far. Oh, wow. He's, Yes, uh, uh, Mari Cooper was second. Michael Gallup was Michael Gallup might have been fourth. Cedric Wilson might have even been third. Oh my you know? goodness! So I, I can't remember the exact order. They're not saying that that's the starters, but how they played. Right. So you're you know you're saying Ceedee Lamb has outplayed Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup this training camp. So that just tells you, man. He he's the MVP. He he's just it's gonna be special. I. uh 
I don't want to give anything away because I don't know who's listening right now, but I haven't bought a jersey. We're gonna we're gonna whisper this down, guys. Ready? Even though this can be heard live everywhere, I haven't bought a jersey in a long time. I bought a CD Lamb jersey. jersey. Yeah, Michael Vick. I had that jersey, and after the dog thing, I said, "Yeah, I'm not. We're done doing jerseys. I'm I'm off that." You know, and uh, uh, I'm glad he did his time and everything. I'm you know I'm a real dog person, so I can't forgive him for it. But he's done a lot since, so I'm not killing the guy. He's done a lot since his a lot of his dogs has recovered, and he's done a lot with charity with stuff like that. So bless him. But it, but it made me turn off on jerseys. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I had to had to get CD Lamb. Had to do it. So it's coming. It's 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 already purchased. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Yes. Hey, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I know uh, for our uh, one year anniversary, my wife surprised me with a uh, Dak Prescott jersey. So now I've got the uh, Ezekiel Elliott jersey, and thankfully he, he signs the extension there. And here I am with Dak Prescott. You know, crossing my fingers, of course, that he uh, that he resigns to a to a long term deal here with us this off this next off season coming up. But uh, I'm glad to hear you got a CD Lamb jersey. I, I've been trying to decide. You know, who will I who will I get? Uh, Getting next year, you know, who will my wife surprise me with? And I have a feeling it might be Ben Denucci. Uh, ben Denucci, yeah, our uh, QB1, <laughs> right? Yep, exactly. Oh, well, Mike, uh, before we, uh, before we uh, end the episode, you know, uh, we, we have a, a special announcement, if you will. You know, starting next week, you and I will be starting a new series. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have a name yet. So we're, we're hoping that our, our audience can help us out with that. Um, you know, guys, when you get the chance, if you could, please go to our podcast page, the Across the Cowboys podcast. It's there on Twitter. Uh, you know, here it'll either be later on tonight or definitely tomorrow. But Mike and I will be posting uh, some polls up, you know, w- uh, with uh, some ideas that we have of the name of our new series that we will be starting next week. Um, you know, please keep your eyes out peeled for that. And if, if you can help us, we, we would greatly appreciate it. Hey, say some names. Should we tell them what the segment is, and they can send us some names on the uh, podcast or on the uh, on the um, the podcast site on Twitter? What do you think? Yeah, you know, go, I, I had a couple of names in mind. I was still trying to, uh, you know, I I was uh, helping a buddy finish up uh, painting a house today, and I kind of was running low on time. But I I planned on writing them down and then posting them on Twitter to our to our uh, podcast page there, Mike. But if you have a name in mind, go ahead and say it. And I'll say and I'll say one, and then you know when we have our more options, we'll we'll post them later on Twitter. Well, my thought was uh, the the idea of it is we're going to have a person on from the opposing team yes. come on and and talk with us about the game, and they can give us their perspective. I know Locked On Cowboys does this as well, and uh, my thought was we could just say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." Would you guys, if you think of any names, you could think for a segment like that, post them on our about the Cowboys page. We're also going to have a poll up with me and uh, me and Paul's ideas, and then we uh, maybe we'll take the winner and we'll and me and Paul will pick one or two from your guys's options, and we'll put another poll up, and then we'll make the decision. We'll see. It's got to be quick because we have uh, Nuggy Wuggy coming on next week. So, Mike, I appreciate you doing that. You know, I, I, maybe I. Uh... I was uh, inhaling the paint fumes too much. You know, you really uh, helped me out there. I fumbled the ball on the uh, on the teasing and, uh, you know, what what we were trying to do there. So thanks for swooping in there and, and, and saving me the 
uh, it would probably would have been a good idea to give the guys an idea of what it was we needed help with, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Give them an idea of the segment. Uh, and my thing is because we don't we don't go over everything. I was like, well, maybe he wants the segment to be a secret until the name's out. But I was like, ah, oh, nah. Let's just tell him what it's going to be. And Nuggy Wuggy Daniel's going to be on for the uh, Rams next Monday. And uh, he's going to tell us how uh, he thinks the uh, Cowboys are going to beat his team. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie, Mike. I thought we had an original idea there. But to, to know that Locked On Cowboys does the same thing, that kind of takes a little bit of wind out of the sails there. What what it is is they have – it's not just Locked On Cowboys. They have Locked On and Insert Team. Mm-hmm. Cowboys are just part of the podcast group. Oh, okay. So what they do is the two podcasts – so, like, Locked On Rams and Locked On Cowboys will have a segment where they talk about the game. So, you know, we're having a guest on, finding them from our our friends and stuff like that. They have a network of teams. So, it's just a grouping that they have where they, they you know, they match up the, the two Locked On shows and talk about it. Oh, I got you. I got you. Well, hey, you know, I know so you are still there. Yeah, I know you and I, we, we want to pride ourselves on uh, original content and quality content. And, the, you know, of course, the uh, not showing each other our notes and show sheets and things like that. So that's a that's a, um, a little reassuring there. I'm glad that we at least had have an original idea there. And I'm ex- I'm excited for this new series. Me, too. I'm going to give the uh, other team's people a bunch of shit, so that'll be fun. <laughs> we, we would expect nothing less from you, Mike. Well, Mike, you know, I think it's getting close. We don't want to lose another episode, so just remind everybody, where can we find you at on Twitter? At I am Hyperion. <laughs> <laughs> at, at CD Piglet. Sorry. That is Mike Crum, and I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by, and we'll see you next week.